97.9 The Hill, WCHO, and the UNC Hustman School of Journalism and Media present Sports Focus with Charlie Tuggle. Sports Focus, dedicated to in-depth examination of issues of overriding importance in the sports world. Each week, we'll discuss problems and look for solutions in professional, collegiate, and amateur sports. From Carroll Hall on the Carolina campus, here's your host, UNC journalism professor, Charlie Tuggle. Welcome to Sports Focus. Our topic today, the return of Major League Baseball. Our guest, Matt Andrews, who teaches sports history at UNC. So, Matt, first things first, we're uh, going through the July 4th weekend without baseball, which really feels kind of strange. Compare that to any other time that the beginning of a season, not the end of a season, the beginning of a season has been affected this way. Uh, well, it, thanks for having me again, Charlie. Yeah, this is, we've never had a 4th of July without baseball, even during the Great Depression, even during World War II. The beginning of the season has been pushed back a couple times because of strikes. Uh, well, actually, now that I'm starting to think about this, I'm wondering if we did have baseball on July 4th, 1981, when they had the split season. So I may, may be wrong there, but we've, we've obviously never seen anything to this degree where, uh, as you say, we're about to go into the July 4th weekend and we're starting spring training, or I guess it's summer training all over again, uh, in hopes of a 60 game season. You know, baseball has weathered many storms, but this is a significant one and we'll have to see if we actually do have a season moving forward so spring training or summer drills or how whatever <laughs> yeah. you call it it looks an awful lot like spring training except with temperature checks and right. smaller groupings of people yeah and new rules about spitting and not spitting and <laughs> pitchers going to their hands you know apparently pitchers aren't going to be allowed to lick their fingers anymore they're going to have a wet rag in their back pocket i think that's so instinctual for, for, for pitchers. I don't know how they're going to enforce that. And then, of course, one of the things that I find most interesting, and this actually raises the question about maybe do, do we really need a spring training in normal years anyway, is it's only going to be infra-squad games, really, leading up to the start of the 60-game season. You know, the A's might play the Giants once or twice, and the Yankees might play the Mets as long as there's no, no travel. But there are not going to be any inter squad games it's just going to be intra squad competition yeah so uh, certainly it, it, it will look different uh, some players have already opted out right. are you surprised that they did so or are you surprised that there haven't been more of them i'm not surprised that anyone has done that and it's ian desmond of the rockies who sort of most famously uh, said he wasn't going to play and he had a very well reasoned uh, explanation as to why and then he went on to talk about all of the problems that he saw in Major League Baseball much more generally. So we've got about three players, right? It's Ryan Zimmerman and Joe Ross of the Nationals, Ian Desmond of the Rockies. I suspect more are coming, especially when people start reporting and start hanging out and, you know, someone's going to get sick. That's just inevitable. That's going to happen. So this is what teams are going to have to figure out, um, and they're going to have to be communicating to to their players and um i think that that's an issue that some people are a little worried about to what extent are teams going to be forthright to the players on their team about who's sick and who's not sick because there are all these rules about secrecy about you know who you can tell what names you can and cannot re reveal well, i think we're at three right now we're gonna have certainly without a doubt we're gonna have more players so i think stepping away from the game in the coming weeks you have a lot of protocols in place with temperature checks and it's uh, every two days and less. 
you know, you might, you might get tested on that off day and uh, you get sent home and then, you know, you, you have to take your own temperature before you can come back to the ballpark. It's like, right. How do you police all that? I don't know how you police it internally. I'm thinking about this in all sports, right? Not just major league baseball, but with the NBA talking about going back. I mean, are, are you telling me that if we get down to game 60 and the, you know, uh, the Yankees are, are going and their, their top pitcher has a fever or, you know, but they're not sure that he actually has COVID, but has a fever protocol says that player is not supposed to play, but is that really going to happen? Uh, you know, play this out to its extreme. If it's game seven of the NBA finals and LeBron James checks in with a fever, you know, and the, and, and the Lakers are in game seven, is he really going to sit himself out? I don't know. You know, this is uncharted territory. I doubt it. I suspect that the pressures to play will be pretty severe. Yeah, I want to uh, make a quick comparison to um, the strike shortened season of 1994. So this yeah. affects the beginning of the season. That affected the end of the season. There were no no playoffs in 1994. No, no, so no World Series, how, right? Yeah. What what what's the comparison? What's the contrast other than the obvious? Yeah, so there have not been there's not been a World Series twice. I mean, if if you think about Major League Baseball in the modern era, really starting at the beginning of the 20th century, um, 1903, some people say is you know when the National League and the American League they come up with this agreement to do the World Series. There have been two times when there has not been a World Series. It was 1904. And it was in 1904 because the manager of the New York Giants, the cantankerous John McGraw, uh, he, uh, the Giants being in the National League, New York Giants, he thought that playing an American League team was beneath the dignity of a National League team. So he just said, we're not going to do it. And it's because of that that the American League and the National League have contractually agreed to play a World Series ever since. And then again, the Great Depression comes and we still have baseball. World War II comes and we still have baseball and we still have a World Series. And then there's the semi-catastrophic strike of 1994, where we have millionaires and billionaires arguing over the the proceeds. Uh, This is... You know, this is unchartered. We haven't seen anything like this. And uh, I think it's great that baseball, the play, that the owners and the players were able to come together really at the last minute. I mean, we couldn't have gone too many more weeks without an agreement and still have baseball. Uh, it really would have been something if they could not have. Uh, you know, people want baseball at a time like this. Baseball is a soothing force at a time like this. It's a, it's a sign of normalcy. And the fact that we almost didn't have it uh, speaks really to the cantankerous relationship between the players and the owners. They don't really trust each other. And I think that that mistrust was widened over the last couple of weeks. Sports Focus, we'll be right back. You're listening to Sports Focus with Charlie Tuggle. And now back to the show. Welcome back to Sports Focus. We're talking with Matt Andrews, who teaches sports history at UNC about the return of Major League Baseball. So uh, we mentioned a couple of times that it's a shortened season, essentially two months and a couple of days, uh, really, and 60 60 games in that amount of time. So let's look back at last year. The Nationals, who wound up winning the World Series, were 27 and 33 <laughs> after 60 games. They right. did not have made the playoffs. That's right. The Phillies and the Cubs led their divisions after 60 games 
and didn't make the playoffs in the 162-game season. So how big a difference is it for players, for a team, when you're basically a third of, of what you normally do in a season? Yeah, it's a great question. I think, I mean, we may see some remarkable things. I mean, we could see, it's possible, we could see a team break the all-time win percentage record. You know, a team could get really hot and do something like 45 and 15. I mean, that's a little bit absurd, but it's possible. In 60 games, someone could hit 400. I'm not going to bet on it, but I think it's possible. In 60 games, a pitcher might break Bob Gibson's modern ERA record and may go under 1.112 for a season ERA. You know, that... Players have hot spurts, team have hot spurts, so some remarkable things could happen in the, in the coming weeks. So I would assume if records like that happen, there would be an asterisk. In <laughs> A big, giant asterisk. I suppose, well, look, no one's going to hit, you know, no one's going to break the home run record this season. I think, yeah, if, if, if someone were to somehow, you know, no one's hit over 400 since 1941 when Ted Williams hit, hit 406. If someone were to do it, I suppose there would have to be some sort of asterisk. Although there wasn't for, for Roger Maris, you know, that would, people think about how much people freaked out when we went from 154 game season to 162 game season. And then in 1961, when Roger Maris broke Babe Ruth's season, uh, single season home run record, there was so much uh, teeth gnashing and wringing of hands over this. Yeah, if someone were to hit over 400, there would be a big giant asterisk uh, looming over that number. So there is one record certain to fall, and it would be salary per game played. Yeah, well, this was the, the genesis of, of, of the argument between the owners and the players, right? Uh, the players wanted a, a pro rate of salary. If we're going to play half a season, we want half of our salary. If we're going to play whatever it is, two-fifths of, of the season, we want two-fifths of our salary. And the owners were really pushing against that. They said with uh, lower attendance, we need to be giving you uh, lower salaries. The players hung firm um, and they ended up getting more or less what they wanted. I think the players have history on their side. For sports writers and people who cover baseball, there's a deep suspicion of, of major league owners, maybe more uh, for, for major league owners, baseball owners than any other sport. Charlie, if you think over the years, over the last century of all the shenanigans that major league owners have pulled, lying about uh, no good black players being out there, you know, that was the justification uh, until 1947 for a segregated league, lying about free agency or being very, very wrong. That's a charitable way of thinking about free agency, saying free agency, if we get it, it will spend, it will spell the end of baseball as we know it. It's not true. It just made baseball even more popular. And then the owners coll- uh, committing, according to the courts, illegal acts in 1994, which led to the strike and also collusion in the 1980s. You know, the, the, the owners uh, have tried to pull some, some fast ones over the years. And so for people who were paying attention to the disagreement between the players and the owners, I think most people who were writing about this seriously, but they agreed with the players on this, on this one. All right, so I want to jump quickly to minor league baseball. Of course, we have the Durham Bulls uh, here in, in this area. Yeah. Uh, pretty popular thing to go watch. Maybe not even for the game, but just for the atmosphere. Uh, yeah. What sort of effect do you think it's going to have on minor league baseball? Well, minor league baseball is gone this year. 
So it's going to have a huge effect. Um, and think about small towns and, you know, Durham, one could call Durham a small town, but I'm thinking about really small towns that have a single A ball club. You know, minor league baseball is just not going to happen this year. And so uh, even when we come out the other side of this, even when we come out the other side of, of COVID, organized baseball is going to look dramatically different. I think a lot of teams, minor league teams are going to fold. There was already some talk of, of, of this happening anyway. And then I'm, you know, was just thinking about this in terms of the players, the players themselves. Think of the stakes about making a major league roster, right? It's all or nothing at this point. You either make the major league squad or you're not playing baseball you can't go to mexico the mexican baseball league they just canceled their season uh the options are 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 winnowing for the baseball talent out there well uh i had never before watched korean baseball but i have taken in a few <laughs> innings here recently so i guess yeah. that's an option and how, how do you like those bat flips in the korean league yeah, pretty, that's pretty cool pretty spectacular so do, you, do you see players uh, minor league talent level players headed to Korea and places like that? That's a great question. And I don't, so their season started, what, about five weeks ago. Uh, to what extent would they be able to? To what extent would they be tr contractually allowed to do that, even though they're not playing baseball? I would imagine that's something that the Korean and the Japanese leagues and the Taiwanese leagues, if they can get their leagues up and running, something that they would seriously be, be looking at. Sports Focus, we'll be right back. You're listening to Sports Focus with Charlie Tuggle. And now, back to the show. Welcome back to Sports Focus. We're talking with Matt Andrews about the return of Major League Baseball and, and other sports. So, uh, Matt, let's quickly look at, at some of the other sports. NFL. You know, there have been questions about whether the NFL is going to play and, right. and all that. How strange is this time compared to all recorded time uh, yeah. of uh, major league sports in, in this country and, and around the world. Yeah. You know, there's that, to go back to baseball, there's that great line from field of dreams. The one constant, you know, throughout our, our, our past has been, been baseball and sports have been a constant through geez, uh, world wars, great depression, presidential assassinations, even after September 11th, things were only delayed a week at, at most, miss one week of the football season. The NFL has already canceled their Hall of Fame game. There are a lot of people out there who do not think we will be having professional football this fall. Uh, the NBA is already starting to walk back. They're, they're, they're all systems go, you know, for their bubble experiment in Orlando as more and more people are, are, are starting to be, uh, test positive. Uh, I think you'd have to be not exceedingly or excessively optimistic, but you have to be pretty optimistic to, to think that we're actually going to have the, certainly the NFL in the fall, college football in the fall. And if we do, I personally think you need to be exceedingly optimistic to think that we're going to have a full season of those sports. So how does that play out? I mean, you know, we're all, we've already talked about the difference between a 60-game season and a 162-game season in baseball. Right. What about a seven-game uh, uh, college football season? Well, I suppose it would be the way we used to settle. Like, who was the national champion? To, uh, the national champion, rather than playing it on the field, we just have the reporters pick. Uh, and you know, that's actually what happened in 1919 with the influenza. 
uh, when influenza came back in the in the second wave, the so-called Spanish flu, they started the college football season off, and most teams only played about five or six games, and then that was it. And then the press declared co-national champions. It was Michigan, and I, my apologies to whoever's a an alum from the other school. I can't re remember or think about what happened at the Stanley Cup in the spring of 1919. Uh, you had a team from Seattle playing the Montreal. Canadians and the series was tied 2-2 and then everyone started getting sick and they, they literally could not field squads put a team on the ice and they just canceled it that was it you know it says series not completed on the Stanley Cup to this day I think there's a very good chance you know they'll get in as many games as they can and they'll push because as, as you know Charlie the TV money is immense it's absolutely immense but at some point, uh, the, the social costs might outweigh the economic benefits. All right. So a, a lot has been said recently at UNC and at other universities about uh, losing students because you have too many classes online and right. they want to have the campus experience. Yeah. How can you possibly have the campus experience without athletics? How, yeah, what is going, I mean, it really raises an interesting, uh, almost existential question. Uh, what is the UNC experience without basketball? What is going to the University of Alabama without football, right? I mean, that's, I know that's why some people go to those schools. I mean, for, for the sports programs. And let's be honest, you know, let's talk economics again. Those programs, Alabama football, UNC basketball, even UNC football, they pay for, for the other programs, right? So I, if we're not going to have football, if we're not going to have basketball, I think it's pretty obvious that we're probably not going to have any uh, intercollegiate sports this this academic year it'll you know it'll, it'll take people back to the original mission the uh, of of the university i mean is the purpose of going to a university to attend football and basketball games or is it to go to class i mean we've been doing both um but it'll take us back to a to an earlier era so all right let's finish up with going back to major league baseball you don't have to go through the rigors or uh, of a 162 game season and the right. travel associated with that. Right. What, what kind of surprises do you think we might see? I'm not asking you for particular players, but what sort of surprise you, you already mentioned the possibility of 45 and 15, what other things might happen in a shortened season? Well, even though it's sort of counterintuitive, even though it's a short season because the, uh, you know, summer training, whatever we're going to call it is so short. I fear we're going to see, some some injuries i hope that that doesn't happen um i think it'll be exciting uh in in the sense not the injuries of course but i think that that the play uh the the pennant chase will be exciting because there's just not going to be that much distance between first and second and really last place after 60 games everyone is theoretically probably going to be in it going into the last sixth of the season. And the other thing that I keep thinking about is, is there any team that caught a bigger break with this whole COVID phenomenon than the Houston Astros? You know, this yeah. upcoming season was supposed to be all about booing the Houston Astros and shaming them for their sign-stealing scandal. And now, A, I think nobody cares anymore because we're so worried about other things, and no one's going to be in the stadium, B, Anyway, there's going to be no one there to actually boo the Astros. So if anyone caught a break, it's that team from Houston. 
And that does it for this edition of Sports Focus. Thanks to our guest, Matt Andrews. Thanks also to producer Chip Sweeney. And as always, thanks to you for listening. Cheers. Thanks to Richard Southall, Mark Nagel, and Deborah Southall at the College Sport Research Institute at the University of South Carolina for their research and guidance and for access to CSRI's international network of sources. Sports Focus is a service of UNC's Hussman School of Journalism and Media.